You are listening to The North Podcast, a ministry of Mount Perrin North in Marietta, Georgia. All right, all right. Listen, we are two weeks into 21 days of prayer and fasting, and I hope you're doing well with that. Um, I'm praying that God is doing some significant things in your life. If you have not participated in that, I would encourage you. We have seven days left. Jump in somehow, some way. Uh, if, you, if you're wondering how to do that, we've got some devotional guides out there and some resources to talk about uh, what fasting is. You can uh, uh, go to our website, and it has all the explanations of the different types of fast. Join us in that, because in these last seven days, we're believing God for some big things, because next Sunday, we're going to believe God for a day of, uh, of miracles and healings and just miraculous breakthroughs in our Sunday service. And next Sunday night, we're, go- we're going right into revival Uh, for four nights and believing God's going to do some really great things. And so this week, I I want you to pray and believe in your normal way, but also as a a corporate body, that God is going to do some significant things in our lives next Sunday and during the revival. Can you believe and uh, pray for those things with me? Amen? Amen. I believe that as well. Um, If you've got your Bibles, take them and turn with me to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Listen, if you're one of the people that are looking at the clock right now, I'm very aware of the time. Um, but I'm also not apologetic that God moved in our altars and we celebrate water baptism and all of those things. But I also will not belabor points too, okay? Um, I understand brevity is not just the soul of wit, it's the, it's the heart of a good sermon to get to the point, Pastor, all right? So if you've got your Bibles, take them and turn with me to Romans chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 20 and 21 to start with. And we're going to look at uh, a little bit further, uh, a little later, verses 16 through 21. We started a series just a couple of weeks ago talking about mountains will move. And today I want to talk to you about how faith gets strong. How faith gets strong. Starting at verse 20, it says, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Let's pray. Father, these next few moments, anoint these words as they go forth. Anoint our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, and may you accomplish everything you've purposed in your heart to do in our lives. In Jesus' name, for your glory. Amen and amen. So I don't know if you realize this, but your faith is not static. It's, it, your faith is not stationary. Your faith is actually meant to grow. Now, when I say that, your faith can actually stretch and grow, or your faith can, can kind of uh, subtract. It can come down and weaken at times, too. It's important to know that all of us, it's not because you've been given great faith and you haven't, okay? It's because all of us have been given the measure of faith, the Bible says. What is necessary to believe in the salvation um, that Jesus is Lord and for our salvation, but also we've been given the measure of faith to believe, but God also wants us to grow our faith. And the way God grows our faith sometimes is through diet and exercise. How many hate those terms? Yeah? It matters. It matters what you are feeding your soul, and it matters how you are exercising your faith. Do you know, now, I, I'm, not, I'm not here to be your workout guru today, okay? Uh, so there's, there's great power in aerobic training and all those things, but the greatest thing you can do for your body is strength training, resistance training. The greatest thing you can do in your youth as you grow old. And the, re- the reason why they call it resistance training is you're taking weights 
and you're either pushing them or you're pulling them away from your body. And in other words, stretching your muscles in order that they may grow on a microscopic level over time. The way your faith is grown is sometimes through resistance training where you have to face obstacles and you have to push through. Many of you are waiting on a miracle. And it is important to know that while you're waiting on the miracle, God is working in your life and God is strengthening your faith as well. 1 John 5 and 4 tells us, whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. So there are some people who are overcoming and some who are being overcome. What's the difference? It's their faith. The difference is their faith. The difference between faltering and victory from overcoming or being overcome is the exercising and the building of your faith as it grows stronger and stronger. In the middle of Romans, Paul is writing to a group of people, and and when you read Romans, it almost feels like a theology book. I know that. But Paul never set out to write a theology book in this. Paul always is writing to answer questions that have been posited or given to him. In in, In Rome, the church there, for a while, they had been, the church had been planted, and the Jewish believers came, and they planted the church, and they were in leadership. And then they were cast out by Caesar, and so the Gentiles had to take over the leadership. And another Caesar came back in and allowed the Christians to come back in, so the Jews to come back in. And so the Jews came back in, and now they're arguing over who's going to be in leadership. And Paul talks about how the Jews came first, but the Gentiles are also there, and how both are unworthy to lead and both are yet called to lead in this. And he talks about this idea in Romans chapter 4 of being justified. It's not justified by the lineage that we come from. It's not justified by what we do. It's justified by faith. He even talks about it's not justified through the law of Moses. It's justified through the faith that was exhibited by Abraham in this. But in the middle of this is almost this beautiful picture of what faith looks like. What it means to hang in there when it takes longer than you think it should take. He talks about something that the Bible, he references back to something in the Bible from the book of Genesis where the man named Abraham and his wife Sarah, they're waiting on a promise from God. God promises them, you are going to be the father of many nations. When he promises him this, Abraham is 75 years old and childless. He says, you're going to be the father of many nations. Not you're going to have a kid. You're going to be the father of many, many nations. Abraham is 75. Sarah is 65. The Bible says that Abraham believes that promise. God credits it to him as righteousness. 24 years pass. And nothing happens. There's no child. There's just waiting. There's just disappointment. 24 years. He is now 99. She is 89. And the Bible says that visitors, an angel of the Lord, comes to Abraham and visits him. And as he visits him, he says, this time next year, do you remember the promise God made to you 24 years ago? And he's probably saying, 
yeah, it hasn't left my mind for a moment. He says, that's going to happen in the next year. This time next year, that child is going to be here. The Bible says that Sarah is in the tent and she can hear what is being said and she laughs. Who would blame her? 99, 89? She laughs. And the angel of the Lord says, why did Sarah laugh? And she says, well, I didn't laugh. Yes, you did laugh. But this time next year, it's going to happen. And when it does, you're going to name that child Isaac. And Isaac means laughter. That God always has the last laugh. Even when the circumstances look dire, even when it looks like there's no way it's going to happen, even when you think of a promise of God and it seems laughable, God always has the last laugh. Because when God promises it, it'll happen. So in Romans chapter 4, starting at verse 16, it says, he talks about how a promise is received. He said, the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift. And we are all certain to receive it, whether, we are, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. That is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and creates new things out of nothing. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations, for God had said to him, that's how many descendants you'll have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. And Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. This is a case study in how faith grows strong. Even in the waiting, and if you're waiting on a miracle, my prayer today is, is that God will begin to do in you what happened in Abraham. That your faith will not falter, that your faith will not diminish among this, but you will actually wait on the fulfillment of what God has promised to you. And in the process, you will grow in your faith and in your trust of what God can and will do in your life. There are three things I want you to see here about how faith gets strong from this passage in our lives. Number one is this. Faith gets strong by feeding on God's word. It gets strong by feeding on God's word. Here's what it says in verse 18. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. And here's the reason why. For God had said to him, this is how many descendants you'll have. So what is faith? Well, it's not a hunch. It's not positive thinking. It's not just knowing everything's just going to turn out okay. That's not faith. No, faith is more than that. Faith is taking God at his word. Faith isn't even just believing that God can do something. Faith is believing that God actually will do something if he's promised it. It's not, it's not just this mental agreement 
that you think God can. No, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's not your mentally agreeing with it. It's your concrete, core, bedrock, foundational understanding and commitment to the truth that God will do something if he's promised it. And if God has promised something, you can go ahead and take that to the bank because it's going to happen in your life. But if you want to strengthen your faith, you've got to feed on God's Word, on the Bible. Because the Bible is filled with the promises of God. If you're lacking in the promises of God, it's probably because you're not feeding on God's Word. The diet and the exercise. You've got to fill your mind and your life and your soul with the right things. What does God say about things? What does God say to believe about things? What has God promised in your life? And that involves reading God's word daily. This is why it's so important. The 21 days of prayer and fasting, for some of you, it's corporately joining together. And for some of you, though, You've never really taken serious reading God's Word daily. And so the devotional guides and the video devotions that we have that are talking about it allows you to start just kind of leaning in together in this. But what we're hoping is, what God wants is, 21 days literally is what it takes to form a habit in your life. That this will become a habit of reading God's Word every single day in your life. But it's not just reading God's Word. It's not just a checklist, okay? So I'm going to say something to you. You need to hear me, okay? If you say, my goal is to read five chapters a day, that's great. I hope you do it. And I want you to do it. But if you read five chapters a day mindlessly just to check it off your legalistic to-do list, it's not accomplishing anything. When you read, read and ask God, will you reveal something One phrase, one verse, one passage that will leap off the page and leap into my heart and change my circumstances. Transform me in the process. Because it's not just enough to read God's Word. You need to rehearse and ruminate on God's Word. Do you know what the word ruminate means? It comes from a phrase called chew the cud. You know what that means? Chew the cud? A cow has multiple stomachs, and he chews, and he swallows, brings it back up, chews, swallows, brings it back up, chews, swallows. Nobody is going to be mad at me about making you late for lunch now, right? (laughs) That's what ruminate is. It's it's that something, you chew on it, and and, and you, you can't get away from it, and you keep chewing on it, and you keep chewing on it. And here's the thing is that when you read God's Word and when you rehearse God's Word, when you ruminate on it, as it keeps getting brought back up and you chew on it mentally again, it's not going to give you spiritual indigestion. It's going to give you spiritual life. That you rehearse it in your mind, that you keep bringing it back up, the promises of God, the Word of God in your life. Your faith gets strong when you feed on God's Word. The second thing is this. Your faith gets strong when you focus on God's promises. So you read God's word, but you focus on God's promises. Here's what verse 19 in the first part of verse 20 says. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. I mean, I think that's a realistic. He's looking at himself going, this promise, I'm 99, I'm almost 100. She's almost 90. 
God's promises, we're going to have a kid. I'm looking at myself going, probably not going to happen, you know. I'm looking at Sarah going, doesn't look like that's going to happen. But then he goes on and says, but Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. So two things are coexisting. The realism of what is actually there, but also the realism of God's promises. Abraham waited 25 years in the late stages of his life. Do you know how faith doesn't waver, but actually gets stronger when you wait? When you remember and you focus on God's promises instead of the circumstances around you. Listen to me. When life's realities meet God's promises, God's promises always win. Even when the circumstances seem extraordinary and they seem laughable, God's promises always win. Your faith gets stronger when you make a choice on what you focus on. You get to choose what you focus on. You get to choose what you give your attention, what you give your mindset to. You get to choose those things. And focus is a huge issue in our lives. Because if you focus on the wrong things, instead of building your faith, you can actually weaken your faith. How do you weaken your faith? When you focus on yourself and have the woe is me attitude. Now, is that easy to do? Yes, it's easy to do. But that will actually weaken your faith. When you focus on your problem, when you focus on the, focus on the circumstances, when you focus on all the things that you think are going to keep you from the promise that God has made in your life, when you focus on other people who have it better than you and, and don't um, have to go through the things that you go through. Listen, when all of those things are your focus and you keep playing those things, this feedback loop, this recording, and you keep playing those things back over and over and over again, what you do is you weaken your faith. Because your faith can't be on all of the surrounding things that surround the problem. Your faith has to be on the narrow focus of the promise of God in spite of all the circumstances. It has to focus in on that. Now listen, it doesn't say Abraham ignored the problem. He didn't bury his head in the sand. He didn't act like there weren't problems there. It doesn't say, listen, it says he considered his body. It said he considered Sarah's womb. He, look, I realize these things look dead and gone, past their prime, whatever. But it also says that even though he was aware of the realities, we're not talking about denial of a reality. We're talking about, I want to see the reality. I see the realities, but what I know is what God has spoken in my life. Listen, instead of focusing on the uncertainties of your circumstances, you have to focus on the certainty of God's promise. As Pastor Lance reminded us earlier, that we have to remember, in spite of all the things that might look like they keep the promise from us, that God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ever think or imagine in our lives. 18 years ago, I preached my first sermon here. And after I finished that sermon, it was on that passage, Ephesians 3.20. Someone gave me a rock, and it says the word imagine. I keep this rock on my desk, not pointing out so anybody else can see it. I, I keep it where I can see it. Because when there's a problem that I can't figure out the answer to or a circumstance or a situation has gone on longer than I think it should have or I'm at my wit's end and I don't know what to do 
in my life as a leader at this church or my personal life, when I wonder where God is in those moments, I can look down and I can see that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I could ever think or imagine. Think about how great your imagination is at some time. Some of you have an imagination that you'd tell other people and they'd go, that is absolutely crazy and ludicrous. Can I just tell you something? God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can think or imagine. Think about this, that God's imagination, his ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And the best thing that you think could ever happen to your life, God has a better thing planned for you. And you have to remember that. And you have to focus on the fact that God has promised you good things. Doesn't mean you'll never face difficult things. But God has promised he would see you through, he would bring you out, and he would bring you to a place of purpose and destiny. The third way your faith gets strong is by giving God glory in the process. Verse 20, the second part, it says, In fact, Abraham's faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. He brought glory to God. Now, there's nothing you and I can do to add to the glory of God. He's as glorious as you possibly can be. I can't add to his glory, but my faith can bring focus to his glory. It can turn other people's tension, attention to his glory. Because here's the reality. Even when you face difficult circumstances, God is good. Even in your worst times, God is good. Even in times of waiting, God is good. Your circumstances, your problems, your challenges do not change the fact that God is good and he deserves to be praised. It's what matters. It's why we come together. It's what you do individually in your own worship time. It's what happens when we come here in this place. Look, Nobody's denying reality that some of you walk into this place and everything's going well and you give God glory and you've got a smile on your face. And there's also another reality that some of you are going through difficult times, literally going through the valley of the shadow of death in your life and you feel like the walls are caving in. And when you walk in this place, you still lift your hands. You still sing songs of praise. You see, when you do that, you take the focus off your problems. You put the focus on God and his promise and you bring glory to his name. And here's the reality that some people who know what you're going through, when they see you praise in that moment, they give God glory themselves because they know he's real. In the worst moments of your life, God has always been and will always be good. That's why Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, I start with a verse that we all love. If you've been in church for any amount of time, you've heard it. But verse 28, it says, And we know 
that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. But he goes on to say, For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. So what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or are hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And if you're in the waiting... If you're in the wondering state, wondering where God is and has he forgotten about you, can I just tell you, this passage today ought to bring you life and hope and victory that God is with you even now. If you believe that, give the Lord praise in this place. Because there is no power in heaven or on earth or under earth that can match the power of God. There is no love that can match the immeasurable love of God. There is no name that can match the matchless name of Jesus. And in spite of whatever circumstances you face, in spite of whatever difficulty comes your way, your faith gets strong when you remember that God is for me, God is with me, God is in me through the power of the Holy Spirit. And because of that, his promises will be fulfilled in my life and in your life. you have to grab hold of that. You have to grab hold of it through faith. Through his word, through his promises, and through your praise. And in that, your faith grows strong. And as your faith grows strong, you see more and more of the glory of God displayed in and through your life. And so does everyone else. And they give God praise too. You were created to bring God glory. Even in your trials. Even in your difficulties. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? The glory that God brings to you starts first and foremost. With his offer of salvation. 
through Jesus Christ. But that offer, that offer is requiring something of you. It's requiring you to surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus. Some of you know when you came in this place, things weren't right between you and the Lord. But today is the day that you can make those things right with him. If that's you, I want you to just simply pray this prayer by faith with your, and mean it with your heart. Lord Jesus, I thank you for what you've done, and I recognize that you are King of kings and Lord of lords. You are the Son of God, the one who came to take my sins and pay the price for those sins. But you didn't just come to give me forgiveness of sins. You came to reconcile me to the relationship with God the Father. I ask you to forgive me, but I also surrender my life to your Lordship. And as I do that, you will lead and guide me for the rest of my life, and I will never be the same. I'm going to ask everyone in this room to just pray this prayer of profession with me. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Come on, one more time. Jesus, I give you my life. With your heads bowed and your eyes still closed, no one but the ministry team and me looking around. If you know when you came in here today, things weren't right between you and the Lord. I'm not here to embarrass you or call you out, but this is important. I want to pray for you this week, but it's important that you profess that. You say, that's me, Pastor. When I came in here, things weren't right between me and the Lord, but I'm making a decision to follow him for the first time or the first time in a long time. Today, I'm making that decision to make it right with the Lord. If that's you, would you just raise your hand really high so I could pray for you this week and keep it up just for a moment? Just keep it up just a moment. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. All right, you can put them down. Now, your head's still bowed. If you're in this room and you say, Pastor, I've been either struggling so long waiting on a promise or the circumstances seem so overwhelming that the enemy would, has been tempting me to just give up. And I need to lean into the promises of God and trust God and believe that God will do what he said he will do. If that's you, would you just raise your hand really high? Yeah, you're not alone at all. No. Amen. All right, you can put them down. Father, we thank you now. We thank you that your word is enough, that your name is enough, that Jesus is more than enough, as we sang. He's more than able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or even imagine. God, we bring to you right now our needs. We bring to you our hurts, our fears, we bring to you the things that we thought were long gone and we come back to the promises of God and we believe that you're enough. And Lord, as we spiritually bring those to you today, help us to let them go and not mentally, emotionally try to pick those things up and carry them with us today. Help them to leave them in your hands in your care so that you may answer them and that you may solve them in your time and your way and for your glory. And God, by faith, right now, we go ahead and give you praise in advance for the things you're going to do 
because we believe you're able and not that you just can, but you will fulfill every promise you have made to us. And so today we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Can you give the Lord praise by faith right now for what he's going to do in your life? Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, please. Hey, can you celebrate with me today? Four people gave their hearts to Jesus Christ. Come on, let's give the Lord praise. If you made that decision today or in the last few weeks, we'd love to help you get started on this walk with Jesus. Some of our members of our grow team will be down front right after service is over with. Um, You can uh, give us like two minutes of your time. We'd love to help kind of give you some uh, instruction on that. Or you can just join us out at Connection Point in the atrium. Also, if you'd like more information about just getting plugged in here at North or finding out about your spiritual gifts or uh, your passions or anything like that, um, uh, there's a card in front of you in the seat back. It just says connect. Fill that out. Take it at our connection point out in the atrium. We'd love to help you as well. Listen, this last week, I'm praying for you. I hope you're praying for all of us, praying for your needs and other needs, but also praying for next Sunday morning service for our uh, service of just a day of uh, miracles and healing that God is just going to do some wonderful things in our lives and that God is just going to continue that in our revival next week. Keep those in your prayers this week as well. Before you go, allow me the privilege to bless you according to Numbers chapter 6. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Let's give our response from Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God bless you folks. You're dismissed. Love you guys. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to learn more about North, be sure to check out our website at mountparanorth.com. If you have any questions, you can email us at info at mountparanorth.com or give us a call at 770-578-9081. And if you're in the Marietta, Georgia area, we'd love to have you join us for worship next Sunday at 945 or 1115 a.m. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.